All right, welcome back to the Path Forward. Glad to have you here. We took on a little bit different format for this episode and have a video link up on the site as well at pathforward.net. That's P-A-T-H-F-R-W-D.net. Had a conversation filled with a lot of joy and a lot of insight. So without further ado, we have our uh, co-host from episode one, Pasquale Angelucci, is finally back with us. Are you there, Pasquale? Sir, yes, sir. Reporting for duty. All right. I love it. Beautiful. And um, reporting for duty. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we are very, very excited today to have author of a new book, Dear Friend, and just some incredible content. Uh, Brian Kirby White. Brian, are you there? I'm here, guys. I'm here. All right. We are together. We had we had a little bit of technical difficulty, to be honest, friends and fans. And um, we're, we're back and we're going to do this this time and knock it out for you. And, and I really, really appreciate the perseverance from Brian and Pasquale. And I'm sure I know a little bit about the journey to get to this book, The Leadership Space that is on Amazon now. You can find it on Amazon and we're going to put some links on the website so that you can pick up the book directly. I read, as as Brian describes, there's kind of an executive summary in reading the first two chapters, the the forward and the intro, and really powerful stuff being set up already. I'm just so impressed by what you've outlined and all the work that you've done and everything that you're bringing and synthesizing together, Brian, it's a lot of work that's been important to me in my life. And I think you're really putting it in a very practical and approachable context inside of, of business, inside of the business world. Tell us a little bit about, you know, yourself and how you got to this point of, of writing the book and, and why you created it. Yeah, sure. So, you know, my background, I'm an attorney and uh, I've been a teacher. I've been a professor at a college for like the last 20 years. And uh, teaching is just my passion, man. Like I, I love to teach. I really mm-hmm. do. And I, the reason I love it is I'm a student myself. Like I'm a student of life. You know, like I always wanted to understand the deep truths of the universe, like to the best of my ability, like how much can humans understand? I don't know, but I want to try, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, this book came from 30 years ago. I'll tell you the story that's in the introduction. And and let me please. take a moment to frame it. Can I frame it real quick yeah, for the please, audience? Please. Let me frame it. Okay. So the best way I think to look at this is the leadership space is it, what I'm basically doing is I'm taking the world of personal development and connecting it to the world of organizational leadership. Mm-hmm. Okay. Connecting wow. two worlds because the world of personal development is about elevating your mindset, your emotional environment, your whole state of consciousness, what I call your space, right? But then it's like, well, how does that impact my team? How does it affect my team? And I show through research and multiple principles and tons of stories, all true, by the way, how mm. a leader's inner world has a direct impact on their team's performance. 
let alone their team's emotional state and their well-being. You know, real quickly, I'll say Daniel Goleman, you know, Daniel Goleman, famous. I hope to meet him someday, by the way. I can't wait to meet that guy. Yeah. Famous author. Rose emotion. Yeah. I want to meet, I want to meet you, Daniel. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, he wrote a book called emotional intelligence many years ago and it, that, that concept has blown up. Um, he did some mm. subsequent work, um, connecting emotional intelligence to leadership called primal leadership. This was about 2008, I think, some time back. And multiple articles in Harvard Business Review, one of which I pulled from significantly, which basically he said that a leader's mood can have up to a 30% impact on their team's performance. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. That's like huge. you're, you know, if you're running a hundred million dollar company, your mood walking in the office every mm. day can have a $30 million impact pro or con. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, and I think that that, like we say mood so easily, but even in the beginning of the book, you really start talking about mindset and, and what mindset is and give us just because you, you, you're giving us this context, help us understand, you know, a little bit, what was so incredible to me is just thinking about, you know, there's, there's great evidence in like what you said, but I intuitively know exactly what you're talking about. That's right. That's right. You intuitively know it because this is human experience. Human mm. experience is that we feel each other's vibes. Mm-hmm. Like I actually went to great lengths to make this book connect to science, even though we can intuitively know all of everything I'm saying is, is known in human experience. And it also could connect to spiritual reality too. But I didn't want to get too woo-woo. I even said that in the introduction that, you know, when I talk about why does your mood, let me go dig into that, right? And then yeah, we can maybe yeah. backtrack, we can backtrack to the history and all that. Because here's where we're at. Like, why does a leader's mood have such a powerful impact on their team's performance? And I'll tell you exactly why in chapter seven is that there's this principle in the universe called resonance. And I'll tell you the experiment. And then I got a great story for you, but, you know, you jump in. Yeah. Um, Check it out. Principle of resonance. What is it? Well, if you take two tuning forks, right? Like you know, a tuning fork to tune a musical instrument, you take one in a hand and, and one in another hand and you, 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 you hit one of them. So it's vibrating, but you don't hit the other one in a short period of time. The one that wasn't struck will start to vibrate at the exact same frequency as the one that was struck. Mm-hmm. Why does that happen? Because of the principle of resonance. Okay. Now, this is mind-blowing. This blew my mind when I discovered it, okay? This is why a leader's mood has such a powerful impact on the team, okay? Our brains have three layers, okay? Our mm-hmm. brains have a rep layer, which is the on the bottom, a monkey layer, which is in the middle, and a human layer, which is at the top, okay? The reptile layer is instinct, fight, flight, freeze, instinct okay the monkey layer is emotions how do i feel what's the mood what's the vibe what's the buzz what am i feeling should i react is there a danger is this good am i attracted emotions emotional intelligence is in that middle layer okay the top layer is thought logic cognition human abstract thinking okay leadership happens in the middle brain hmm hmm Leadership happens in the middle brain. That's why leadership and emotional intelligence go together. Mm. It's not what you're doing that matters. It's who you're being that matters. That's it. Does that make sense? Oh, 
That's that's the part I get. It's it's not what you're doing. It's who you're being. And and I think, uh, you know, a lot of us, anyone who's who's read a variety of books or, or done some self-development starts to understand that idea. But you're putting it in a really crystal clear way to me about mindset as as being this space and this yeah. space that you create. And, and I think another example you use really early on that may connect to that um, chapter seven, you know, theory of resonance is our, um, what are our mirror neural transmitters? Yes, yes. Mirror neurons. Mirror neurons. Mirror neurons. Okay, so now you're getting into some stuff, man. You know, and then <laughs> I want to definitely wrap back to yeah. precisely why mood impacts team performance. Okay. Cause oh, that's why I, I really tried to do that. I wanted to have precision out of respect for the scientific worldview of the West, because mm -hmm. I really believe in the spiritual worldview of the East. I've had tremendous benefit from that. And a lot of people that mm -hmm. practice yoga or meditation, you know, they understand that there's a deep, rich spiritual force inside of us, but in the West, we don't fully recognize it yet because scientific instruments can't actually touch the soul yet. Mm -hmm. We can't prove it. So fine, no problem. Let's stay with science. All right. Am I staying? Are you with me? Yeah, absolutely. Right? And I always think personally that they're, you know, they're different lenses. They're different windows for viewing reality. Yes. You know, for what You're we're right. experiencing. So different, different lenses to view that through. And, and I think that that, that, that science window does help people, you know, early on in a conversation like this, really get some footholds. I and, agree. And stick with us. I agree because we have to be grounded to reality. So let's talk mirror neurons. And there's this great experiment that was, you know, you can find this on YouTube. Uh, you know, there's many different ways that this experiment went. But one of them, which I quote in the book, is an experiment that scientists were doing on uh, a monkey I, I, or a chimpanzee. I actually call it a chimpanzee in the story because I wanted to make it a little easier for people to visualize. OK, mm -hmm. uh, but it, I think in the actual it was a monkey. But I'm going to mm -hmm. say chimpanzee because it's just easier to see it because a chimpanzee is a specific kind of animal. Mm -hmm. So they had a chimpanzee set up to an MRI brain resonance machine, like watching its brainwave patterns, right? And it's eating a banana. And mm -hmm. so they're capturing like it's going, you know, the, the, the brainwaves. And then they say, okay, well, we got the brainwaves. And they, they left the room and they went to a second room and they're watching the second chimpanzee eating a banana, right? Yeah. And the chimpanzee that's eating the banana, that's brainwaves are going, boop, 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 you know, whatever the sound is, I don't know. And so, but then they see, yeah, exactly. There's that, there's that visual, the tuning forks. Um, mm. the, what they discovered is they, they forgot to unhook the first chimpanzee. And hmm. so as they're watching the second chimpanzee eat the banana, they're getting a reading from the first chimpanzee who they forgot to unhook his brainwave machine. And they're watching that the brainwaves of the first chimpanzee that's not eating are identical to the second chimpanzee that is eating. Oh Mirror God. neurons. The first chimpanzee is watching the second one eat and is having a direct vicarious experience and is registering mm. in its own brain pattern the precise neural chemistry or whatever it is that you want to call it, the, the exact same experience in both animals. Mm. They were actually mirroring each other even though only one was eating. Mm. Beautiful. And and I think you said that 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 as as oftentimes a lot of great discoveries in a laboratory was was accidental, like you said, right? They forgot yeah. essentially to to unhook the first monkey. That's right. 
and, that's exactly and, right. You know, I have to say it's it's not often that I start writing in the margins of a book right away. <laughs> even just reading in 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 chapter one, and when we're and talking about this, this really profoundly connected to me. It made so much sense that we do. You know, we're directly impacted, particularly by our leaders and those we look to for leadership or at our jobs, you know, people in management, uh, any team, anything that we're a part of, that that their space and, and their mindset in that way, like you said, their mood, this this really does impact our performance and 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 what we're willing to give. And I, you know, it made me think in a funny way when, when you talked about that example of, of the, the chimpanzees, you know, our, our primate ancestors, mm -hmm. I thought one area that I love to investigate is what's considered the, the missing link, you know, mm -hmm. in our intelligence, how we jumped from primates and that there were a variety of different actually races of human beings that we know or we call as Neanderthal and Homo sapiens and Homo sapiens just took over, right? I mean, over some period of time. And I thought one of the, the theory that I really love around the missing link is that, you know, we all consume food and drugs and mm -hmm. look at human beings and that mushrooms psilocybin is a part of that missing link mm -hmm. and i thought my god there must have been a tribe of homo sapiens that were using this mirroring because you see it when you watch documentaries of monkeys and chimpanzees you'll mm -hmm. see the behavior of their leadership and their pack start mirroring each other and they'll all start calling out they'll all start warning or they'll all start <clears throat> reflecting the same i mean we say monkey see monkey do and we say it all the time, right? But I thought, my God, to get us where we are, you're you're on part of that. You're describing something. There must have been a tribe, and we know this, like tribes of great warriors or great hunters that could basically come together as a unit and follow each other and become that kind of a super effective, powerful unit in, in order to dominate. In, well, for in sure. History. Uh, that makes perfect sense. I mean, you're talking about stoned ape theory, right? Stoned mm. ape theory is the is the mm -hmm. theory. We don't know for sure, but it's the theory that human the human brain profoundly expanded because of the use of hallucinogenics among some ancestor of ours, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how our brain grew so fast. Uh, there's multiple different theories about why. I forget what the, the term is, but there was this this leap in the the brain case and then the brain capacity. But for sure, what you're saying is essentially that a tribe that can, can communicate very quickly, almost instantaneously, well, geez, they're going to be able to form better teams and have better teamwork than a tribe that can't communicate instantaneously. Right. And if they can operate it as an organized group effectively, they're going to be able to dominate groups that can't operate as an organized group effectively. Thus, evolutionary theory, the strong survive, survival of the mm -hmm. fittest, here we are. Yeah. And, and even like, I think what you're tapping into is not just brute force strength or that, that stoned, you know, primates theory is that it was just a plant. But what I think you're looking at is when can you have groups that start working really effectively yes. and mirroring each other in strong leadership that start using that, that plant? Like, honestly, it was probably a group of homo sapiens using mushrooms on 
cow dung patties that started to develop a little bit more language and more effective hunting and fighting strategies with each other in a really intentional way. Mm-hmm. And, and this is literally our roots as human beings. For but, sure. But, but we've lost them. I mean, I mean, the common experience in, in a business scenario, and please jump to your story that you wanted to get to back yeah. in the beginning. We can loop that back in. But I mean, how, how did we get so lost? And, and, and what can we do now? I'll tell you my answer. I actually just thought of it just now. I mean, I've had in the background my thoughts, but it crystallized as soon as you said it. Because I was actually teaching class last night, and I talked to my students about something called a progress trap. Hmm. Okay? Society is in what I would call a progress trap right now. Okay? So what's a progress trap? And then we'll loop back to that story because I got to tell you because that's that's good. And we got to finish the relationship between mindset, mood, and mirror neurons. I'm aware of all that. We'll come back. Okay? But let's stay with the progress trap. What's a progress trap? So – Long time, you know, one way to explain it is a progress trap is some technology that causes rapid progress that leads to rapid demise. Hmm. I'll give you a story. Okay. So, ancient hunters, the, uh, uh, you know, ancient hunters in the north or whatever, they were hunting woolly mammoth. And, you know, you, you want to hunt a woolly mammoth as a group of 10 people with big long sticks. Well, somebody's going to get killed. That thing is a big creature. So one of the people is not eating that night because they're dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. They're dead. Uncle Ned is dead. Whatever. <laughs> they didn't have an Uncle Ned. Okay? They had an Uncle oh, – you know, whatever. They didn't have – okay, <laughs> Uncle oh, is dead. <laughs> but anyway, uh. so they're like, how can we get this food faster? And so they invented a way of channeling the woolly mammoth to toward a cliff, and they would run them off this cliff. And so they'd get 15, mm. 20 animals off a cliff. Nobody in the tribe died. 20 woolly mammoths died. They could eat for a month, okay? Mm-hmm. Or oh, many longer, months. Many months, right? Mm-hmm. But guess what happened? They were so effective in their progress in hunting. They were so effective in hunting, mm. they killed all the damn food. The woolly mammoths all died. died. So it was a progress trap. Mm-hmm. They caused their own demise through their own progress. That's what's mm-hmm. happening in our society. Yep. yep. We're getting so connected technologically that we're getting unconnected, disconnected emotionally. Mm-hmm. And it sucks. Mm-hmm. I'm just yeah, well, like and absolutely. Well, and that is, I mean, I invite, you know, anyone listening to, to for us to recenter this on the path forward and what I call the threshold. If you just go to the pathforward.net and you look at the description of what we're doing here, it is the path through this threshold that I really believe in our evolution we're approaching. And it's not it's not just the technological evolution, but it's the fact that we've burned fossil fuels to get to this point and now that's damaging the ecosystem that sustains our life how do we see ourselves through that and we've got to create powerful leadership and and what i really want to do brian is Mm. let's go back to where we started that first story but where i want to get to in our conversation is how i can start to apply what you're talking about to the primary concepts of a path forward, because I believe I have some really, really critical, important ideas and what you're talking about can help me implement those. Well, I'll tell you right now, we need to stay on track, but there's so much in this book that is going to help where you want to go. Like when you're ready, read chapter 12. That's okay. one of my favorite chapters. It's about how invent, how thoughts become things about how our inventive mind creates the future 
It's mm. a great story about Henry Ford. And just you need to read that because where you want to go with your journey, that's mm-hmm. going to help. Okay. But let me pull back to yeah. mindset, yeah. mood. Okay. So fundamentally, everybody has experience every day. We feel good. We feel bad. We feel in between. Okay. We have a certain emotional experience. We have a certain mood. Well, what we don't always realize is that we, just like you have a rudder on a ship, so our mindset is the rudder of our life. Hmm. We have the power to control the rudder and the rudder controls how the ship moves through the water. If I'm having a bad experience, I'm like, God, Poshko or Bill, this is a bad day. And you go, Brian, just check your mindset. I'm like, okay. Or you go check your leadership space, which is a little bit more robust way of checking mindset as we'll explore. Okay. I better, I better choose who I'm going to be. You know, I better choose my context, man. I could be a contribution rather than focused on me. I could be a contribution to the world. I feel better all of a sudden. Wait a second. What just happened? Why do I feel better? Well, because mm-hmm. I use the three C's. That's chapter two, the three C's choice, context, contribution to elevate my mindset. I took my mindset from ego, all about me. I feel bad. Life sucks. Life is hard to well, wait a second. I can choose how I'm going to respond to life. I can choose how I feel. And if I shift my context or my lens through which I'm looking at the world and judging what's happening, okay, mm-hmm. uh, I can actually cause myself to have a different mindset. And especially with contribution, uh, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, my mindset goes to a higher level and instantly my emotional experience goes up. Mindset affects mood. Mindset creates mood. And then mood creates resonance. How my team feels. What's the lesson? The lesson is your team feels how you feel. Your team feels your mood. Your team feels your mindset. So the central point, the central core of leadership, the ultimate place where leadership starts is it starts in your mindset and your emotional environment because how you choose to be about any situation is going to resonate out to your team through mirror neurons and instantly cause how they're going to feel. Oh my God, a competitor just came up with a similar product. We're screwed. The whole sales team starts to feel down. Sales go down. That's Mm. a bad leader. Because he had a bad perception, a bad mindset. Same situation. Oh, my God. There's a new product out. It's the same as ours. Leader goes, they followed us. We must be doing something right. Guys, keep selling. You know what? Let's double down on customer service. Let's have people feel so great about being with the thought leader who thought of the product first. And let's take good care of them. Different Mm -hmm. leader, different mood, different energy, different sales experience, different customer experience, more money for the company. Mm -hmm. That's That's pretty practical. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely practical. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, you know, there's some of that example in the first chapter as well, some of that story. And it talks about, you know, that other take by a leader being like, hey, if someone's copying us, let's take that as a, as a compliment, we're the originators. We were the first to market. Sure. Somebody else is coming along and competing, but we need to double down on taking care of our existing clients. How are our clients doing? What is it that they need? And maybe even reminding the marketplace, we're the original. There you go. Yeah. And that is all happening in a momentary decision of the leader at their desk with their coffee on Monday morning. How am I going to be with my team about this situation? Mm-hmm. That's what the leadership space is about. It's about taking command of your inner world, your mindset and your emotional environment so that you as the leader are in control of the energy that you're putting out to your team, which is happening subconsciously. Yeah. Whether you like it or not. Okay. Now the story. You ready? Mm-hmm. Please. Great. Sorry. 
This is a great story. I love this story. Okay. This is chapter <laughs> seven. This is chapter seven. There's many stories. They're all true, but this is a good one from chapter seven. So a student came to me, you know, many years ago, I was teaching this material and she came to me as she'd come to me and she was kind of in a bad mood. Um, she'd been working for the same company for about 17 years. Right. Mm. And she went through the, the recession of 2008, 2009, all her staff were laid off and she got more and more work you know, heaped upon her. She's doing like four people's jobs and she's just kind of tired and burnt out and a little bit resentful. And, um, and whole, whole uh, new staff was hired around. I don't know what year it was. It was a couple of years ago. And sure. she said to the staff, Hey guys, I've been here for a long time. I'm happy to help you. Please come talk to me anytime you want. I'll do whatever I can to help you. And she's t- talking to me after class. This is what class I was teaching. And she says, you know, uh, professor, people never really come to talk to me. And I don't understand why, you know, I, I want to help them, but I just don't get it. And she's like, I'm, I'm really interested in, in developing as a leader and I'm looking forward to this class. So we did a couple of classes. She studied chapter one and chapter two, which you have uh, started to read here. Yeah. And then she comes back and I see her one night and she's got a huge smile on her face. She's like all radiant. And I'm like, well, something happened good. And she's like, <laughs> professor, you're not going to believe it. I'm like, what? What? What happened? She goes, I don't know, man. I don't know. I took this class with you. I read the leadership space. Something shifted in me because everybody is coming into my office. They're asking me questions. They want to go to lunch. They want to learn from me. I'm having a great time and people are really growing around me. And I feel like I'm a good leader. I'm like, that's amazing. She's like, I'm like, what do you think changed? She says, I shifted my leadership space. Uh I'm like, what? Like what happened? And so we, we went to talk about that. Posh, do you want to say something? I feel like maybe you want to say something there or, or you want me to roll a little bit? No, you're, you're good, brother. Okay. So I asked her, I'm like, what happened? And, and as she was sharing with me, cause I written this stuff, I saw in my mind's eye, the gears of change that happened in her. Okay. Mm. And here's what I saw, right? So she was approaching the company from a very negative attitude, a negative mindset. She was pissed that she had all this work and she wasn't getting a raise and it was just not good. So what was basically happening was even though she was saying to people, hey, come talk to me with her words. That's what she was doing. (laughs) What she was saying to people with her mirror neurons, with her mood, with her energy, with her vibration. With her being, the way she was being. being, Yes, sir. Mm. With her being was, don't you dare come talk to me. I don't even want to be here. I don't want to deal with it. Don't. Okay. So while on the surface in the world that we can see with our eyes, she had her door open underneath in the subconscious that we don't see with our eyes, the door was closed. Amazing. What a, what a great distinction. I pulled up this, uh, some of the, this illustration from the book, the stoplight technique. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is exactly what the, my student did, which I mean, I was so impressed with her accomplishment and it was a powerful accomplishment. Here's what she did. She applied the three C's to her situation. She said, okay, I can choose who I'm going to be about this. And what she saw and choice is about, look, it's choose to be self-aware, observe. What are you observing? You're observing your mindset, the filter, the way you're taking the world in, the way you're judging it, the way you're telling yourself stories about things, the point of view you're coming from. Like, She was basically judging that her company was not respecting her. They weren't appreciating her and they were using her and she was resentful. Mm -hmm. So she was operating from resentment when she said, come talk to me. But she's feeling, don't you do it. 
Okay. A, a typical situation these days, right? I oh, mean, we've very. seen all of this employment fall off and struggle for employees. I think there are many people who are listening that, that could resonate with that. You know, Bill, it's such a good point. I was actually talking to my dad about all this, and he reminded me, you know, this, one of the reasons this book and these tools are so practical for today is when you do what this leader did, which I'm about to fully distinguish for you guys, mm -hmm. you will keep staff. You will solve the churn problem. People want to work with someone who has a powerful leadership space because they make them feel good at a subconscious human level because they're putting out a positive energy and they're doing it through contribution. So, so back to the story, right? So yeah. what the student, what this person did, this leader, what this leader did was she said, look, I see what's going on. I feel resentful, but I can choose who I'm going to be. I can upgrade my inner state of mind. Okay. But how do I do it? I have to shift my context, right? I have to shift how I see the situation. My current context is they only kept me on staff because they know I do good work, even if I don't get paid enough, and they're just going to lump more work on me, and they're, they're using me, and I'm resentful. That's her current context, the way she's looking at it. But if she shifts it, she's like, wait a second. Maybe they kept me on staff because they actually see the value in my work, and maybe I'm actually a really smart person who has a lot to give and who's very capable and who's really worthy. And like I'm the one that got to keep my job for the last eight or ten years while everyone else was – trying to figure it out. I, I had that blessing. Whoa, whoa, that's who I am. I'm valuable. Yeah. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to make other people valuable. The third point, mm -hmm. contribution, choice, context, contribution. She's like, you know, what? I'm going to be a contribution to the staff. I'm going to be a contribution to this company. I'm going in there and I'm going to make a difference for them. And she meant it at an energetic level. She shifted her mindset. She shifted her emotional environment. She shifted who she was being and everybody picked up on it subconsciously through mirror neurons. This person wants me to win. This person wants me to succeed. This person's valuable to me. I'm going to talk to her. I'm going mm -hmm. in that office. And that's mm -hmm. what happened. She shifted everything. And so the resonance of who she was being, the mirror neurons, the connection is rooted in her choice to shift her context, to be a contribution. That's the leadership space. You I love it. It's amazing, man. It's like mathematically, it was not possible before that shift. She literally, there was no space. She did not have the space for those other coworkers to come mm -hmm. and talk to her because she that's hadn't right. created that space. And mm -hmm. this is, it's, it's, it, I got the light bulb. You know, and, and it's funny because, you know, reading your book, little little, little light bulbs like just click on, um, you know, and recently I had that that light bulb that without creating that space in one's life for whatever the heck you want to transform, it's not going to happen. It cannot happen because the space does not exist. Boom. Yeah. Perfect. And the thing that the thing I love about that story also, Brian, is that this this leader, this woman that, that was in your course she was essentially, you know, on the surface, right? We get very caught up on what we're doing objectively and people could be like, well, what about this? You know, what is it you're saying mindset or someone who's, who's wrapping themselves around this that, that might not be involved in this kind of work. This leader, this woman was saying the exact same words, essentially. That's right. She was saying in, in, the, in the beginning, hey, I'm available. I'm useful. I've been here. My door is open. I'm, I'm, my door is open. Mm -hmm. She was saying the same thing later, but what you're talking about is what's the difference All right. between the result? What produced the actual results of her being a powerful contribution and building a powerful team? 
Oh my God. You just set me up to really give you something here because now we, now we come directly back to what I said about the brain has three levels, the yeah. reptile, the monkey, the human. Okay. So the middle level, the middle mm-hmm. level is called, listen, this called the limbic brain, right? The limbic brain. This goes back to Daniel Goleman's work. And this is again mm. in chapter seven. Okay. Remember I said that the, 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 uh, tuning fork was going, you know, and then the other tuning fork picked it up resonance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't believe it if I told you the human brain is a tuning fork for other human brains. Mm-hmm. This is scientific. This is not made up. This is real. It's called limbic loop. Okay. It's called limbic resonance. I should have said that first. It's limbic resonance. My emotional state instantly shifts your emotional state. And if you're in a good mood and I'm in a bad mood, if my bad mood's stronger than your good mood, you're going down. If Mm. your good mood's better than stronger than my bad mood, I'm going up because we're going to resonate like tuning forks and the stronger mood wins. It's just life. It's there's another phenomenon called emotional contagion. Yeah. There's the picture Pashko. Mm -hmm. Emotional contagion is how emotions ripple through a society or an organization or a team. Okay. And it's because of limbic resonance. It's a fascinating area. If you give me a moment, I can give you just a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Please. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. This is mind blowing. This is, and I explain all this in chapter seven, right? So as it turns out, and I'm pulling from Daniel Goleman's primal leadership as the source on this, as it turns out, the limbic system is what's called an open loop system. Okay. So, well, what does that mean? It means we feel each other's emotions, right? I feel yours. You feel mine. We actually have an open loop with animals too. That's why dogs can instantly sense if you're happy or sad or angry or whatever. They instantly feel it because they have a limbic brain. Why? Because they have a mammal brain. The monkey brain is the mammal brain. All mammals have limbic. We humans have neocortex. So we have a level above, which means we can shift our mood because the higher brain can shift the lower brain. That's what's unique about us. We have self-awareness. Where does self-awareness happen? It happens in the higher brain looking down on the lower brain saying, I choose to be happy or I choose to be powerful or I choose to shift my context. Does this make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's we get to grab the rudder. You know, it's sort of like you can feel and sense as a being, you know, when you're close to and you share your life with an animal, as so many people do and have that they are riding in the same waters as us. We're flowing, but that they are almost affected by the system and the context of life or their environment and, and they don't really get to grab the rudder of saying, this is what my mindset's going to be that then yes. impacts the, the limbic, right? And the Bingo. And you said it so well because you even brought up a, a liquidity. I don't remember exactly what you said, but you brought up this liquidity type of thing, this circulatory mm-hmm. thing. Okay, because this is exactly where it goes. We're, this is cool because we're syncing up right now, you and me. I can feel it because mm-hmm. I'm getting all goosebumps and stuff. That's good. That's good. I get all energized. I get all energized. <laughs> that's, that's what we're here to broadcast to people. Check this out. Check this out. Mind-blowing, right? So – you know how our circulatory system, the blood through our, flowing through our veins, red blood flowing through our veins, mm. the circulatory system is called a closed loop system. Your mm-hmm. blood's in your body. Poshko's blood's in his body. My blood's in my body. My blood doesn't go in your body unless, you know, I, we become we cut each other and become blood brothers. It ain't happening, okay? It's my blood, your blood, okay? The limbic system is called open loop. My emotions flow through you as if we were sharing the same vascular system. Mm. You and me are breathing the same energy. We're sharing the same energy. And the limbic loop applies to all mammal, all creatures around us. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so my mood back to leadership, leader's mood has a 30% impact on the team. Here comes the finish point. 
my mood as a leader has a massive impact on the team because we're limbically connected. We're in a limbic loop. We're all connected. And the leader is the top person in the tribe. And the tribe is looking up at the leader to be told how to feel, how to think, what to do. Are mm-hmm. we safe? Do we move? Do we freeze? They're looking to the leader for direction. Exactly back to your point about primates, excuse me, homo sapiens who could instantaneously communicate at a distance. That's how we became us. We have this limbic connection, mirror neurons, limbic resonance. And if we get a hold of it and we get responsible personal development, then we can shift an organizational vibe, organizational leadership. What did I say before? Personal development connects to organizational leadership, the leadership Mm -hmm. space. That's what the book is about. Making the world a better place inside your organization by elevating your own mood. And that's what I want to accomplish. Yeah, I love it. I, I'm I'm so lit up about it also, Brian. And I think that the thing that, you know, I occurred to me and that you just addressed when we were talking again about resonance earlier is it almost feels like when you're in an organization that the leaders of your organization or even your manager, there's like a multiplier yes. to your resonance with them, right? Because you do, we all naturally look to them. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to look at our leader or our manager or the CEO, right? And, And we believe in our culture. We know that so well, that's what we're supposed to do. We believe that compensation follows that. Yep. It's okay that my manager or my general manager or a director or the CEO makes 10 times, 50 times, 100 times what I make every single hour. Yeah. But we do see a real breakdown in a lot of that. And that's that's not just something to talk about. It's so fascinating at this time when there's so many people intentionally stepping out from the pandemic of the workforce or shifting what they're doing all around this because I think that the disconnect is around the mindset and the mood and the feeling of the place that they want to contribute. Sure, yeah. and, and it's evident in, in in the Great Recession. I mean, literally millions mm-hmm. of people, mid-level, C-level, are just literally leaving. They're saying, why should I come back to mm-hmm. a workplace that I hate and I, I am dreading going into, and I don't feel like I can bring 100% of myself because I don't want to, because the boss, the leader, whoever it is, doesn't care about me. I am a mm-hmm. machine. Yeah, that's so it, Poshko. And that that actually takes me back to why I even wrote this thing in the first place. Please. Dude, I mean, I've been teaching 20 years and I just love Mm. teaching. I get to teach adult students, you know, in the MBA program or they're finishing their undergrad. So I'm teaching people that are, you know, probably 22, 25 to 60 years old, you know. So I'm, I'm having the opportunity to talk to people that are out there in the world having real experiences. And so we do a case study. We do a point on on something and they can share so much knowledge of, from their own life. And I learn from them. Like mm-hmm. I learned so much from them. You know, mm-hmm. I acknowledged my students at the beginning of the book and I told them, look, your feedback, your minds, you know, the interaction I get to have with you, that's the machinery that makes everything about whatever works about my teaching. It comes through them. And I mean it because like I said, I'm here to learn too, you know, mm-hmm. but you guys are getting into the great, what is it called? The great resignation, I guess it's called, where people are all quitting because they're not treated well. And I've been seeing this for years. And what's been in my heart, honestly, 
is I really do want people to get treated better at work. I really do. I want people to feel good. I want them to have meaning and purpose. I want a, the, the boss or the leader to change the context from, look, I'm the boss. You're the employee. I control you. You have to do what I say. That's an old context that comes out of the Industrial Revolution when human beings were converted into machinery. Mm-hmm. And it all goes back to management science where this guy named Henry Taylor started to do these time motion studies to figure out how could we get human beings to move their arms and hands in the most efficient way so we can get the most bricks made in an hour. And they stopped thinking about a human as a human and turned a human into a machine. Yep. That's how we got here, and it sucks. Excuse my language, but it just does. Okay. Now, this this is what I'm saying. That's managing. There's nothing wrong with management. Management is important, but that's management, telling people what to do. Okay. That's not leadership. Mm -hmm. Leadership is how it leadership is who you're being with people. Management is what you're doing. We're working on the project. Leadership is who you're being, how you treat people while they work on the project with me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How you're going to be with people is related to your perception of them. So if you perceive them as the employee and you're the boss, they're less. So you get to control them. This is not working anymore for people. I don't even want people to be treated like that. It's, it's not fun. So how do you do it? You shift context leader, to teammate, not boss to employee, higher or lower, leader to teammate equals equals cre- equal creators of tremendous creativity and power to cause results together. That's mm-hmm. the new paradigm. Mm-hmm. Cause you can't Amen. have, you can't have mirroring and resonance really by yourself. That's right. I mean, you can be on your own journey. You could be a great leader, but no one can create anything great on their own. You know, I mean, there there are a few art forms, right? I come out of media and art. There's a few art forms. You can write and sing a song by yourself in, entirely, but there is no making a film. There is no doing film production, which is where a lot of my career has been. You really can't do that by yourself. You're right. I mean, we're human beings are built to work in teams. It's just that the machinery of the world has positioned us. So some people are at a higher level, the boss, and some people are at a lower level, the employee, and it doesn't feel good. It just fundamentally doesn't Mm -hmm. feel good. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you want me to, I have a really cool point I can drop right here about boss, which I've been debating in my mind, whether I should ever say this, but I'm just going to do it. You want me to do it? Yeah, Absolutely. we're okay. here. So, this so is this, this is this is another laboratory and another place is, to unpack the book and for us to continually discuss and 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 research and investigate some of all this. I love it, man, because what I'm really out to do is is shift the context around the work experience. And I want, again, like I want people to feel respect. Okay. But why do they not feel it? And I want to talk about unconscious, uh, subconscious communication. Yes. That's a big part of the book. Subconscious communication. We're all having this subconscious conversation with each other. And if a boss thinks they're better than the employee or that the employee is not worth as much, then they resonate out. They're having a subconscious conversation, just like the story with my student who resented their company. Okay. Mm -hmm. The the boss has to shift their perception of people. Okay. And that's what makes the difference. And how do you do it? You shift your leadership space. That's the point of the book. Okay. But to the deeper thing I want to drop in here. All right. I did some research on the word boss. Okay. Hmm. And it turns out that the word boss comes from an old um, Dutch word, boss, B-A-S-S. Okay. And the meaning of that word is actually master. 
-hmm. master, as in master servant. Okay. Mm -hmm. Master servant and employment law is imbued with the master servant paradigm, like mm -hmm. respond yet superior. Oh, the guy driving the truck, delivering the the uh, flowers gets in an accident. Oh, well the boss has to respond. Why respond yet superior. Let the master respond. Hmm. Okay. It's imbued. Now why let's use an analogy. I love to teach this analogy. I, I think it's cool and it's silly, but it's cool. So a fish in a fishbowl. Okay. Goldfish in a fishbowl. See that in your mind? Yeah. All right, you got the goldfish in the fishbowl and he's surrounded by water, okay? But the goldfish doesn't know he's in water or she's in water, whatever the fish is, right? They, they don't know. They just know that they can go left, right, up, down. They can stop. They just know they can breathe. They, they, they don't know that they're in water, but the water is giving them everything about their life. Mm -hmm. Everything that they can do or not do is the water, okay? Human beings are a goldfish in the fishbowl of society and culture, and the water is the ethos or the belief system of the culture we live in. Mm -hmm. The belief system tells us how to behave, what's okay, what's not. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, I don't want to get into any sticky stuff. I just don't want to. But some cultures yeah. say it's okay to treat a certain type, maybe maybe women or a certain group of people uh, less. And some cultures say, no, we have to be equal. Okay, whatever. I, I believe we should be treated equally and with great respect. I fundamentally believe that. Um, but the point is that why does the culture have such a deep impact in how we behave? It's because it's the water around the, the uh, around who we, the human being that we are, the fish that we are. We want to say the water around the fish we are. Okay. Mm -hmm. So how does this connect to boss, boss, the Dutch word? Well, unconsciously, my belief is, unconsciously, the boss thinks they're the employee's master mm -hmm. because that's the meaning of the word inside the culture. And it's mm -hmm. never been distinguished. You never realize that that's what's telling you. You know, I like to watch this show, these shows on TV. And there was this one show. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, but it was this one yeah. show. Okay, I guess it's, I can. It, this one show about this, this, this yacht. It's called Below Deck, right? And I love it. I think it's mm -hmm. a great show, right? Okay. But anyway, so this, this one guy was really bossing another guy around. And I was like, why does he think it's okay to treat that person with that level of control and that level of like kind of, kind of in my opinion, lack of respect and i'm not going to say who it was it's a great mm -hmm. show but mm -hmm. the point is that i believe that we think it's okay to treat an employee like crap because the boss thinks they own the employee's time and persona in the bracketed time frame okay mm -hmm. nine to five i own you why because the word boss goes back to master servant paradigm and we unconsciously are living from the meaning of the word mm-hmm mm -hmm. i want to get to what i think is out of your three C's, and we've talked a good amount about your choice and the context. And I think there's this incredible gap that's almost subtle in everything we've just been talking about, about the last C of contribution. Mm. There's this choice somehow that I think is fundamental to transforming that boss, that master servant that master slave, that boss worker paradigm that we are bumping up against at, across industrialized society yeah. of even the, the leader and the team member or the worker and the boss choosing contribution. Yes. There's See, something there. This is to me the key to the whole thing. 
It's funny because I was actually talking to my aunt this morning about chapter nine. Mm-hmm. And that is, and I, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to say, oh, it's this, that. It's just, that's what it is. That's just what's in the book, you know? Mm-hmm. Like chapter nine's about contribution. It's called be for others. It's about being for other people. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing I think is the most powerful and it's the most moving, right? And Poshko, may you want to share a story because pa- I actually uh, have some things in there about Poshko um, and because we were working together over the last few years, soundboarding together. And he was has been there for me to soundboard the distillation of these concepts because it took a lot of time to distill it all, to make it understandable, you know, mm-hmm. and make it easy to read. Um, but the contribution is fundamentally, if I can just bottom line it, it's about love. Mm-hmm. It really is, you know. So if you look at the leader teammate paradigm moving forward, moving from boss employee, right? I'm above and you're below to leader teammate. I'm equal with you. We're equal. Number one, I upgrade my perception. So I see you as an equal. Okay. And when I want to contribute to you, now I actually want to allow you to shine. I want to bring out the best in you. I'm going to give you opportunity. I want to give you energy. I want to give you responsibility. I want to give you the aha, the, uh, you know, the good, good job conversation. I want to give you the direction. Hey, you need to improve here, but out of contribution, I'm not here to tell you you did it wrong because I control you. I'm here to tell you, here's how we get to win together and and Mm. feel that. Okay. Because we're equals. When we want to contribute to each other, we're equals now. We're all together. Is that making sense? Yeah. And I think there's a key part of that is you're choosing that as a team and you're aware that you're choosing that, right? Like at some point, if you read this book and you're a leader, your team members need to read this book and and you, you agree on the game that you're playing. Boom. Yes. And if we start to live from contribution, your emotion, your mindset instantly goes to a higher place instantly. Mm. And that's where Poshko, you can come in in a second if you want to share. Your mindset goes up, your mood goes up, your resonance goes up, your mirror neurons are blasting out positivity and creativity. And that's where all the new value comes from. If we're going to create value as a team, if we're going to perform together, we have to trust each other. We have to want to work together. We have to want to open up. And that's only going to happen when we actually feel good, like we feel valued and contribution is the fastest pathway there because it's an authentic way of being. I want to contribute to you. Now, I feel that way right now. Like as I'm mm-hmm. being here, I'm, I want to be a contribution to this podcast and to our group right now because it feels good and it actually brings out the best in me, right? And mm-hmm. I bring out the best in you. Uh, I guess I'll leave it there. The only other thing I wanted to say, and then Posh, you should share. Um, the only other thing I wanted to say is that the thing that's the most moving and that even brings me back to my my students and why I wanted to write this is I think we have put love in the private domain and and love is the most powerful force in the world. It's Mm. the most valuable thing in the world. I mean, it's the only thing that matters at the end of life, at the end of time, at the end of, of it's the love. Okay. Mm -hmm. But we don't let love be a part of the professional domain. We don't let love be a part of the business domain. And the truth is, in my opinion, this is fundamentally the new direction of society and of business and of the world is we need Mm. to allow love to flow through all the spaces that we inhabit as people. But how? Well, Victor Frankl said it best, and I'll let people read it. I'm not going to go into it right now. I'll let people read this because this is something they should get, okay? Victor Frankl, he said that love 
is best expressed as an act of service to others, to be for others. And when you step into contribution, what I call contribution consciousness, that I actually want you to win as part of my intention as a person, as a leader, mm -hmm. then I bring love into the space between us. And love has magic in it. Love has power. Love has value. Love is everything. And from love, all the abundance of being a human being comes. And that's what mm -hmm. chapter nine is about. And that's what I want to give people is that experience of actually feeling good, no matter what situation they're in, because they have the tools to elevate their state of consciousness, to elevate the people around them. Mm -hmm. Well said, Brian. And, and that's like in my own personal life. And, 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 you know, I've been an entrepreneur pretty much since I was a kid, family business, et cetera, jewelry store. I, I I still have the post-it note um, that mm -hmm. I wrote what you mm -hmm. told me. We had a conversation, Brian and I, three, four years ago, and uh, I was complaining about not having enough jewelry sales. I was complaining about not having enough money, enough customers, enough this, enough total victim mindset, total autopilot, not in control. And so he said, hey, man, just, you know, can I give you can, can I give you some coaching? I said, sure, man. Love constructive criticism. So Brian says, do me a favor. Um, and I wrote this down. I still have it. Um, try and just shift your energy, your focus from yourself to others. And then he told me that that phrase, contribution consciousness. And it, it, and it took a while to kind of unlearn. But literally, it, it's as if like if you're looking at the movement of a clock or a watch and all the gears are in, synchron in synchronicity, you know, like, the gears of my brain, of my consciousness, of my mindset actually changed over the course of the last few years. And it's still an everyday struggle, right? Because as an entrepreneur, you have a different set of stress, you know, as as, as opposed to someone who has a nine to five. You know, I know my paycheck is coming. It's this amount, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And, and you base your life on that autopilot, like, okay, this money's coming in. The bills are taken care of. As an entrepreneur, like you have to create consciously your income. You know, this ongoing conversation, and I'm really blessed and honored to like be a, a part of Brian's life and, and a part of this book, which is, you know, has been fundamental to my success. And it's not just like, hey, read this and you're going to get a million dollars. And here's my Shopify account. Yeah. It. It's like yeah. uh, standing in front but, of but, a Lamborghini. But tell, you, you know, know, I know personally some about how, how did, when you started having that conversation at shift two, three years ago, <laughs> how, how did your, your business do last year? Well, it did phenomenal, and it's just the iceberg. But, but the, and the and how are like, you? What I want to know is, and I'm enrolled in this too. This is why we're doing something. That the piece that has me so engaged in wanting to participate with you and what we're doing is that delivering of a high level of customer service and being of real service to people and really yeah. helping them through a process. Yeah, because like having good service, like the the idea of of paying lip service to that sort of superficial thought or like oh i have good this guy has good service or no i i literally ask people like how can i be of service to you instead of how can i help you how can i assist you and if you truly look at each you know transactional thing with another human being whether you're selling a product or service all of us are salesmen i don't care what you say you know kids are the best salesmen by the way they, they always get what they want but the point is <laughs> is um you know like if you are in truly in service to that other human being 
then a whole other conversation opens up where it would have never opened up before. Mm -hmm. And the money, the transaction, the amount that they spend, everything else becomes like just part of the flow. It's amazing. I want to share with you guys a personal story All as right. we're moving to our last part that, um, you know, I mentioned in, in the first episode, we're talking about shifting context and, and really connecting. And I think the example of your experience, Pashko, and your business and how I'm so engaged and interested in what it is that you're doing and being a contribution. And, and I just, what, during our conversation, I thought about context and, you know, the dramatic part of, of my recent life about five, six years ago, I actually went to federal prison. Oh, wow. So I went to a federal prison camp which you might not know for a set of real estate transactions and a really interesting story that I will unfurl here on the show and in, and in other places in my life that I get to learn a lot about how our economic and monetary system worked, where there's a lot of speculation around, um, around all of that and, and our central banking system. And, and it was a real education, but, the fallout from that was that I did have a tax evasion conviction and I went to a federal prison camp for 16 months. Mm. And I had never been locked up or been in a cell before in my life. I had never been, you know, I'd gotten speeding tickets and, um, you know, I was able to really focus on, what life actually is, what's the essence of life and what the heck am I doing here? Mm -hmm. And, and what's my purpose? And there was a very stark contrast between each person's shifting of context in that situation, because I did get to focus on meditation and read a lot of books. And there was a small but powerful spiritual community or a few of them they got to participate in. But you can't, what I always tell people in this story is you can't fake the funk. Mm -hmm. You know, you can say I'm doing yoga and I'm meditating and I'm doing all this stuff. And, and you might feel great for a week or two and then you'll break down again. And you, you break down almost every week or every two weeks or what you're doing, the rubber meets the road because you're on a collect phone call that you have to stand in line for and talk to your partner and my then two-year-old daughter who I was completely separated from. And wow. you choose whether you shift your context or not. Yeah. Am I going to be miserable? Am I going to hate the guards are just called cops? Am I going to say, screw you to the cops and stand in line for as many pills as I can get out of the medical center and numb myself and sit literally in a, in a, in a metal bunk and be a warehoused, racked human being and be angry? Or am I going to use whatever I have, no matter how hard it is to keep coming back to shifting my context, to figure out why I'm here and what life is really about. Mm -hmm. And 
you, I developed and a number of people I was with developed this profound sense of gratitude that still sticks with me six years later. I have such a profound sense of gratitude to get to participate in my life, to get to participate in conversations like this and to get to be a contribution. Mm -hmm. And it all is when, when you lose everything, including the shirt on your back, it is literally about, can you make a choice and can you shift the context and find being a contribution? Wow. Wow. Incredible. I'm telling you, man, you don't have anything else and you can come to those three C's or your version of them and take action around them or not. And that is the bare bones of our experience. And, and out of that, what I really in part, you know, had been creating for years was what are, what are the most important concepts or ideas in my journey? Cause I've had a much bigger journey than that. You know, I, I, I mentioned in the first episode that that's a dramatic point in my life, but I've also been allowed into, I have the most privilege of any person and, and as most of us in the world, but the demographic I've had lunch with Bill Gates and dinner with Warren Buffett. I've, I've, I've had any door open for me. I worked at, at Microsoft and Xbox for six and a half years. And, and, you know, there's not a, a corporate space that I don't feel comfortable in. There's not a level of, you know, relating to and working with people that have the term vice president, right? Or president or CEO or director of really big and established brands and, and entertainment studios mm -hmm. that I've gotten the opportunity in my life to work with. And I'm not special because of that. There's plenty of people that do that. But in that journey, I found these most five fundamental concepts that are about democracy in our workplace, which is related to what we're talking about, really transforming climate change and a solution around that that's biochar that we've done an episode about, how we transform our politics, the laws that you vote for, and sortition, which is having people in roles in leadership roles and in, and in our government by random selection or sortition, hypochlorous acid, uh, uh, counterbalance to viruses and bacteria in our life. That's a nature's balance again, which is something we're talking about. And something that, you know, my day-to-day -day life is really about is about our personal data and how we can pay for content in new ways and the development of contextual advertising and consumer dashboards. And these ideas are each really dense to be unpacked. But I know in my journey, I want to keep reading your book and keep working with you, Brian, because these are the most important concepts that I think can help us in our path forward in humanity. And, and I'm, I'm committed to practicing what you're teaching and, and causing a mindset in a conversation like this and in a broadcast that's going to actually have people be attracted to them and, and impact them. Yeah. And, and, and I'm trying to figure out how to do that. I think you're going to do it. I mean, it seems to me you're going to do it. What a great story and what a great place to come from. I mean, there's, there's a level of motivation and intentionality in, in who you're being, who you're being and 
where you're coming from that is unstoppable. You've already <laughs> been there. You've already been to the place where you had to find the power of a human being. You already did it, and now you're launching from there. You're, un you're unstoppable. It's just a matter of what you want to do. That's how I feel, you mm -hmm. know? And I, 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 I couldn't have said it. I literally couldn't have said it better when you shared your story about how about being in the federal prison camp and then having to choose the way you were going to look at life, choose your context and find contribution. I mean, how could you say it better than that? That's incredible that literally what you're saying is that you discovered for yourself. As I said, these are not my ideas. These are the principle. These are the wisdom of the ages. These are the mm -hmm. ancient principles of how do we find power as a human? I just pulled it all together, synthesized it, and strung it together with stories so people could really wrap their mind around it and eat it like food. Okay, mm -hmm. and that is the three principles. The cover says the leadership space. Three principles to elevate your team, your success, and your satisfaction, and those are the three principles, choice, context, contribution, the principles you discovered for yourself as the ultimate power that we have. Even when we're naked, we have nothing. We still have that, and it's the source of all power. That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Well, there's so there's one more. If we have a little bit more time, I do. I'm really compelled to talk about. Small plug, Bill. Um, yeah. All of our listeners and viewers, Go to Amazon and type in the leadership space. The book is now live. You can That's get it, it. Uh, as an ebook, a Kindle, or uh, a soft cover. The Audible is coming out in a few months. Get it. Don't waste your time. It yeah, well, I, I, you know, for someone like myself who, who, as you said, has discovered some of these ideas and, and, and Poshko said it earlier, you know, you have to keep practicing some, somehow we have these, right. this, this concept in, in, you know, our society that, oh, if you learn something, then you have it. But development and these practices is just like the way that our bodies work. It is yeah. all a part of a natural system. We don't think you get six pack abs and then you have them. No right. one gets six pack abs and then has them for life, right? You have to go back and keep doing the exercises. You have to keep doing the work, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 it is the same thing here. I didn't have the you know, my story wasn't connected until I started reading your book to these three C's and it makes it, like you said, consumable, edible. It makes it a set of tools yes. that you can pick up and you yes. can use the tools. Yes. What did I say at the beginning? It's a hero's journey and a how-to manual. So mm. here we are at the end of the podcast and we've discovered the how-to manual. It's the mm -hmm. tools, but the hero's the journey is get me in, Brian, get me into that inner space because you got to move mm -hmm. through some stuff. I mean, let's be honest. Okay. And I say it in chapter three, you're going to sometimes move through some spaces that are uncomfortable because you have to discover who you really are, your true self. And when you tap into your true self, you find your power. Well, Bill, where did you find your true self? Mm -hmm. You found it in a very deep, dark place. Okay. Well, I've been to some deep, dark places myself in my life in terms of my own emotional experience. I've been very down in my life and I had to pick myself up. And that's how I discovered all this. I wanted to find out how can I, you know, not have to feel really bad feelings in my life when things go wrong or whatever. Like I want to feel good and I want to put out a positive energy. Well, 
took me 30 years. Maybe I'm a slow learner, but I got there and oh. now I have some tools I can use and share with people. That's what this is. Mean. This is so needed. There's so many people who, you know, I, I mean, come on, let's be honest. We watch people in our lives pass who don't get to learn this or figure this out. And, and I think it's so important to me. I really feel as a society that we are coming up, we're, we're in this threshold. That is why give us a pandemic and we stop down and everyone, a, a large amount of people are, are evaluating what, what am I doing this for? Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, the key is we get to create our lives. We get to create our future. And that's actually the first sentence in the book. What is leadership? Leadership is the power to create the future. And that's what the leadership space is ultimately about is how can you create the future that's going to satisfy you, that's going to be success for you, right? And 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 what are the tools you can use? And it would be, you know, it would be so cool, honestly, like you were talking about, you know, a leader has this book and a team has this book. And, and I'm really, I mean, sure, I, of course, I want to sell lots of books. I'm an author. I want to be a best-selling author. You know, I guess I am now with Amazon. It did really well. You know, this thing was actually number one on Amazon. It's, it's trending number one. It was it. it it launched uh, number one in seven categories of new release. I mean, I couldn't be happier. But what would make me what would make me happier is to actually see people really learn it and feel good, and to know that I made that contribution, and maybe to have people become my student in 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 some respect in seminars or in some way. I want to interact with people. I want to see the light in their eyes. I live for that. I mean it. Mm -hmm. But I really love what you always come back to, Brian. Is that we can decide to be happy right now mm -hmm. we can we can it is a choice man it is a choice and and it really that really is a choice and, and it's not always an easy choice and it does it is not a light switch it doesn't happen right away like you you said we got to move through some things but we as a society are moving through that and, and, and i want to kind of end with this and maybe it's yeah. where we can can pick up again the next time is that i feel that there's a shift also happening with automation, you know, it comes from the computers and the internet and the efficiency of software and what is now machine learning and is becoming more and more robotics and more and more automation is starting to replace human beings doing what you were saying, those machine like jobs. That's right. And, mm -hmm. and to me, it's so important at this point in history and, and for probably a good chunk of the rest of our lives, gentlemen, you know, human beings are not meant to sit in assembly line. That's not the purpose of a human. That's right. That is right. Now, a machine can do some of that and we'll see what machines become with us as well. But what the purpose of a human is what we're talking about. And, and it almost may not matter what your enterprise or your job is. You know, I think a lot of us, I've stayed in jobs before because of the people. Mm -hmm. You know, the job was good enough and, and the product we were producing was good enough, to be honest. But but I fell in love, you know, and we don't say that with the, I cared enough about the people and wanted to keep contributing to the people that we became a team together and, and I feel like you are presenting this book and these learnings about being responsible for your mindset and for your space as a leader and a team member is a key that unlocks for us 
what human beings are really for and what we're really capable of. And, 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 you know, we want to contribute as great as we can contribute, but in, in some people's lives and in their job, you know, it may not be some romantic picture, right. Of what the contribution of your work and your company is. But if you take this key and you unlock the mindset and the teamwork and, and the relationship that you can have with each other and, and being of a contribution just to each other where we spend 70 to 80% of our day and, and how that can lead over to where our heart really does rest to our family. Mm-hmm. I mean, our families are teams. That's right. Sure. Absolutely. All these tools apply well, to family. Said, yeah. It, it's, it's, that's, and that's what I really hope that we can start to generate. And there's so many creators, so many people that are wanting to go this direction. I mean, there's so many of us, and this is probably the next evolution of society. As you were talking, I realized maybe the pandemic and maybe the, uh, the great resignation is that we're decoupling from the industrial revolution. Exactly. We are, we, we are evolving. We're evolving into the next stage of what it means to be human and what it means to have a, a worthwhile experience on the planet. And, and I would like to contribute to that. Beautiful. Well, that, that is the path forward. And this has just been conversation one. <laughs> nice guys. Nice. Amazing. Great. great. We ready Thank to go so forward much. from here? Yeah, let's do it. Hell yeah. Brian, Bill, you guys are incredible. I've really enjoyed this space that we've created today together. Just mm. absolutely amazing. Yeah, nice it's, a, it's a great place to share from. We are going to keep coming back to the well and keep dipping in to, to this book and, and unpacking it, Brian. Let's do it. All we did was chapter one with little snippets. So there's plenty more. Okay, we'll, we'll keep going. Keep going. <laughs> I love it. I love right. it, guys. And, and let's see, you know, who we can impact and others that come into this and, and get something out of this. You know, there, there will be conversations. I'm sure we can have other folks come on and we'll want to hear about people that pick up the book and, and participate in this conversation. That'd be cool. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. You guys. Well, that is another episode of the path forward. And we're just grateful that you're here and that you've lent us your time and attention. Thank you for listening. Please do subscribe. Please keep participating and go out and check out and pick up the leadership space by Brian Kirby white. Thanks, Bill. Take care, everyone. Until next time.